0: Hello and welcome to the High, Wide and Handsome podcast episode 53 featuring Steve Ward. We recorded this uh, early COVID, it's, it's somewhat evergreen content but I genuinely I think it's going to be one of those podcasts that some of you don't really take much from um, and that'll be on you, it's not due to the content to be honest but I think those of you that do take something from this podcast will get a lot from it. It could change how you trade, it could change how you view trading and football index I wouldn't actually think it's a bad idea to have a wee notepad beside you for this one and just take notes. Um, Steve's the author of Trader Mind. That's the one he's best known for. He also has high performance trading. Sports betting to win and he's soon to release Bulletproof Trader. I highly, highly recommend checking those books out. And uh, yeah, he's just, I'm a big fan as you can tell uh, throughout this podcast. Next I just wanted to go over a, a review that I got which I found quite funny. And I'm sure you will too. Now, there's a few brilliant ones there from The Fish Rugby, Cider 1977, Harry Oons, Elliot. There's a few great ones there, but in the middle there's a three-star review from Guillermo 1995. Good content, but accent becomes unbearable, is the title. John has some interesting things to say about F.I. and the podcast has some good content. However, his thick Irish accent is very annoying and can make it unbearable to listen to at times. (laughs) Guillermo, I'd say, FI Guru reached out to me and say that episode, you had a fucking disaster, mate. Like, me and him, I couldn't even tell if it was me or him speaking when I listened back. So, Guillermo, if you're still here, which I doubt you are, go back and listen to the episode with FI Guru. You'll have a lot of fun. But on a genuine note, thank you to everyone who left wonderful reviews. It means a lot. And if you haven't, I'd really appreciate it if you did. Um, it's been a fun, it's a weird week on Football Index, you know, and I almost would have liked to have had a guest on this week, but I've needed to release this podcast for a while now and do you know it's been there's been a big dip in the market it has to be said but I'm loving the matching engine but there is a bit of a kind of discussion that needs had I suppose around the liquidity it offers and the size of the spreads but look that, that's maybe for next week have a great guest on um, and just before you get into this podcast I would highly highly recommend you check out footstock you've heard this a million times please don't skip because I'll tell you why. Next week I'm going to be releasing a podcast with Gertie and uh, Tom Mitchum, who actually works for Footstock now, over on the Footstock Weekly podcast. And it's going to address a lot of concerns, like a lot of barriers to entry for people who maybe haven't signed up yet. What that podcast is going to do is it's going to go into some of the most common sort of questions, doubts over the platform, and we're going to maybe discuss them and, and really try and come up with a decent, solid answer. Um, as to why you maybe shouldn't be concerned but yeah if you haven't checked out footstock i highly recommend you do with the link in the description it's the best offer you'll get around and if you sign up with my link you'll be entered into a bonus draw to earn uh, to earn to win a 100 quid footstock pack for free at the end of june um, so yeah w- why not try it out that's it for me this week at the start anyway i hope you enjoy the podcast i definitely did let me know what your thoughts are on twitter or even instagram or whatever but twitter's the place reach out make a post Give me a bit of exposure would be massively appreciated, but yep, thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you again next week. And welcome to Steve Ward. Steve, how are you?
1: Um good, thank you, John. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. Good to be here.
0: No, thank you so much for joining me. I suppose, Steve, there's only one place to start. A lot of people, this is the the listener, the main demographic of this podcast are football index traders. So I'd say some have heard of you, some probably haven't. Do you want let, to let them know and uh, just fill me in completely what exactly you do and who you are?
1: Yeah, my name's Steve Ward and I... Um... I guess my, my role is um, a performance and psychology consultant to traders. Um, I've been doing that role since 2005. And uh, typical clients are hedge funds, um, banks, commodities trading companies, prop trading groups, uh, utilities, asset managers all over the globe, right from beginners all the way through to highly experienced traders. Uh, spent some time also working with sports betting. Um, sports traders um, as well in the past done some work with poker players on the european poker tour um, all that's really been since 2005 so a lot of my work is what i would call kind of kind of high stakes decision making uh risk uncertainty um high performance that kind of arena uh, prior to 2005 m- most of my work was as a sports psychology consultant uh, working with athletes and teams elite level 33 different sports again all over the globe Uh, So really sort of, I guess, 20 odd years of working with people in kind of high stakes, high pressure environments, decision making, risk taking, uh, providing coaching, training programs, consultancy, um, but really helping out. I think, you know, people, whatever it is they're doing, everyone's got a a craft. Um, And if we think about performance as being a combination of craft plus mind plus body then my role really is helping people to develop the skills and knowledge so they can uh, train the mind and the body so that they can optimize their craft in this case obviously um, trading
0: brilliant well that like it's funny because you've, you've three books there so far uh trader mind sports betting Win, and high performance trading and i'd say if you mash together trader mind and sports betting to win you've probably got the perfect guide to football index psychology so that might be that might be something you should do, do you know just literally mash them together and then put it right there and everyone on Football Index, I'll buy it. <laughs> um, have you heard of Football Index or have you given it a go?
1: I've um, I've heard of it, and, but I've not given it a go. But um, in 2000, I'm trying to go back in time now, 2009, 2010, I was involved uh, with a, um, a bit like a hedge fund, but the hedge fund basically was rather than uh, betting on financial markets was betting on sports markets. So, in that period, um, what I always try to do when I'm working with a client is like to kind of get into the world, understand the world, have a go. So from 2009 into 2010, I did do some sports betting on football, but it wasn't obviously a football index. So I've got a bit of sports betting knowledge. Uh, I've had a go and um, but but interestingly, um, since Christmas, um, so in the last few months, I've had three different people from across the globe contact me for advice about their trading. But each of those people's been um, uh, basically a a football index um, trader. So um, it's been in my awareness a bit more recently than than before.
0: Oh, that's unreal. It's just they're really like their marketing's paying off then. And uh, it's interesting that some sort of, I suppose, if they're contacting you for advice, they've probably got relatively big portfolios. But like football index itself, have you much knowledge about the actual product or just more of its existence?
1: More of the existence, I would say, John.
0: Yeah. So, kind of how it works, if I. To, it's it's one of those things that's impossible to describe in a nutshell. But to give you a go, just so we've kind of got a bit of context going forward in the podcast. Yep. It's kind of like <laughs> trading meets sports betting meets like fantasy football meets I don't know it's just everything. It's so basically players have a value, and the value will rise or fall depending on their real world form, uh, their presence in the media. And that's kind of it. And, and kind of the, the thing that makes the players on in Football Index have some sort of intrinsic value, and for it not to be a Ponzi scheme, is that you get dividends. So they pay out based on the players' media presence every single day, who like the top three in the media are. Uh, that's mentions in positive ways in the media. And then for every day that there's a match in one of Europe's top five leagues, which is England, France, Italy, Spain and Germany, that game, like, basically every action a player does on a pitch has a point sort of total allocated to it they all get added up. The players score and the best players on each day win dividends. So that's kind of what why players have value you know their their dividend potential or how many dividends they actually win at the minute Mm. Um, and it's interesting because it is gambling so it's not investing which means it's you don't have to pay the tax man which is great but it's one of those things that it's kind of now this podcast will go out hopefully after the whole coronavirus thing has passed. Um, but, I mean, I don't know, it could still be rumbling on in some way, shape or form, and I imagine it will be. But people often say that gambling increases during a recession or during sort of hard times financially. And football index is gambling. And it actually hasn't really seen the mad dips that you would expect mm. at the moment. Yeah, I mean, there was a big dip sort of whenever places started going into lockdown or whatever you want to call it. But over the last week or two, like the markets went mad. Um, it's really, really. There's been a massive surge. I think everyone sees the discounted prices and they're just going mental. Mm. Um,
1: do you um? So it's that. That's do you think also, John? I was going to say, do you think also that um? Because I saw there's been a. I've had a little bit of work with some um esports uh, people as well, and I've noticed there's been a big surge in esports in the last few weeks. And um, I was wondering actually because I see also a lot of um increase in um betting on esports, and i'm wondering whether people that might traditionally have been let's say traditional sports bettors um in the purest sense in the absence of having any real sport to bet on um will be looking for you know what's the nearest place that's similar that i could also maybe you know use that skill or, or get that same feeling from and also it sounds like football index and and um e-sports would be a, a good place to go to
0: yeah, I, did, I didn't realise there was such a big betting market on esports. I know everyone's into them, and I suppose now that everyone's inside playing games, there's going to be a lot of them going on, a lot of focus on them, but in terms of Football Index, yeah, I think I think Football Index should really use this time. Uh, I don't actually know if they've done it as much as I would like them to. Um, Maybe they've got something in the works. Mm. They should be preying massively on those lads who go down the bookies on their lunchtime every day and betting horses, they should be praying on these boys that can't go to the bookies at the minute, can't bet on football and they should be really spending a lot in marketing at the minute. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because the th- the beauty of football index is 365 days a year, regardless of how much football is or isn't on, they're still every day they pay out dividends. Um, mm. So there's always something to win. There's always those endorphins. So there's always the thrill of the chase. Um, so I really think they should be preying on it more than maybe they are, unless there's stuff going on behind the scenes that I haven't seen. Yeah. Um, and do,
1: what do you do? Do you have a portfolio of players? And also, you, if you're if you're um, a portfolio manager, you know, for an investment firm, you'd have also your portfolio of stocks. Do you do the same thing? Do you kind of acquire a number of players? Is that how it works?
0: So, like, basically, on the market, everyone has different values. Um, the yep. most expensive player in the world, or on football index, at the minute is Jadon Sancho, um, and then like really cheap players would traditionally be players that don't play for a big nation that will compete on international level and play for a club that's maybe outside those top five European leagues. They wouldn't traditionally have as much value. Older players don't have as much value and there's a lot to it, but what you would do is you basically buy players that you think are going to rise in value to get the capital appreciation side of things, or you could buy kind of, I wouldn't say it's safer, but if you have a bigger portfolio maybe you would pile a lot more into those proven dividend winners and you know at the minute it wouldn't be uncommon to find a player with a 15 percent sort of yearly annual dividend yield so there is a good value there if you look at mm-hmm. it as an investment type thing but the bottom line is it is gambling but then you can yeah. even say there's blurred lines between what's gambling and what's investing mm-hmm. um but, yeah, so the, people see a lot of value. The way I've done it is, I mean, some people go a bit more balls deep on a s- less amount of players. Some people like to diversify to the nth degree. I kind of have 20, 25 players maximum that I kind of like to look of, think will rise in value and win me dividends in the common six, six months to a year. Yeah. And I hold them. The bet you make with Football Index lasts for three years. Okay, interesting. So, essentially, when you, you buy the player, You own them for three years and you get all the dividends associated. You can sell them any time up to the, the last day of that. And if you don't, you lose it. It's a bet. The bet is done. But everyone would be selling them before that. And I suppose. Yeah. The last interesting thing is that the kind of mechanism for buying and selling at the minute is where you can buy for a set price and you can sell as basically it's called an instant sell, which is kind of like a cash out. And what... The buy price is based on is every 900 futures that are bought, it goes up by one, and every 900 futures that are sold, it goes down by one, like one penny. But they're working with NASDAQ at the minute, and maybe by the time people are listening to this, I'll be looking at rolling out the NASDAQ thing. They've been working with them for six months now on building a sort of order book style platform, which should really, really make the platform appeal much more to those bigger, high-net-worth yeah. individuals. So yeah, interesting. I think what a lot of people here are using Football Index, although they get a lot of enjoyment out of it now and have been making a lot of money, I think a lot of people feel like they're getting in very, very early, do you know, yeah. and sort of see this going. I mean, there's only thirty or 40,000, 40,000 or 50,000, I think, active users, maybe half a million sign-ups or something. But, I mean, people see the sky the limit for this. There could be 5, 10 million people using this in a few years, and if that's the case, everyone who's in now makes a lot of money. But... Mm. that's football index explained to yeah, you in less yeah, than 10 minutes so i think i think that's a decent nice cool <laughs> <one. laughs> um but if anyone's listening and hasn't actually signed up i'll have a link in the description i'm an affiliate i get something if you do but i suppose we'll move on and maybe get stuck into the meat of the podcast steve i always say yep. get stuck into the meat of the podcast i don't know where i heard it it sounds a bit kind of <laughs> weird doesn't it like Anyway. What are the most common mistakes you see traders make that could like be really easily rectified? So I suppose for a beginner or even an sort of intermediate or someone who's been trading a wee while. Yeah. I'm sure we all make really common mistakes that could be rectified ridiculously simple, like so easily and quickly, but it's known about them to do that that's important.
1: Sure. Um okay, let's go for um th- the biggest um particularly probably in the beginner maybe into intermediate level is taking too much risk so i don't know how that would transpire into the football index you might need to translate this but in trading terms basically people have a you know take a position in the market um and they might put too much risk on that position such that really if it loses They are losing more than they can financially be comfortable with losing, but also and importantly, emotionally deal with. And, um, so one one of the key things I always advise is you, you've got to be thinking about the risk that you're taking in terms of if it loses, because a lot of people, the main factor is most people don't really realize or don't think enough about what if it loses, you know, a lot of people kind of get very uh, sucked into, you know, what could this make me? Uh, Whereas actually a a lot of the very best traders I work with are, you know, first of all, looking at risk management. So um, what could I lose? And what can I afford to lose financially, that is comfortable, such that if I have to take that loss, I feel okay with that, but also uh, that I can cope with emotionally and mentally, and importantly, recover from so i would say you know a lot of mistakes because you know you hear about people you know chasing that they lose money and then they try and get that money back again so so chasing losses that's a very common one again in the trading world but that would also be um you, that would be a you'd have a greater impulse to, ch- to chase that money if the loss was bigger so if you can manage the losses by managing the risk taking in the first place that has a huge impact and for me one of the and it ties into a second point, and then I'll I'll pause, John, and, and let you uh, maybe give some commentary. But there's a it's it's really for me the goal of any decision making um, uh, domain is to make good decisions. So you want to try and create an environment that allows you to make good decisions. Now, for most people in trading, if you take too much risk, there comes a point when the risk you're taking increases stress levels, increases anxiety, and that then impacts negatively on actually the decision-making process. And that could also be true. Actually, sometimes taking too little risk can be unhelpful. So it's trying to take the appropriate amount of risk such that two things happen. If you get the risk-taking amount right, let's call it kind of optimized, you are able to maximize the opportunity that's in front of you, which obviously is important, but also you're also able to maintain a quality of execution of the decision-making process. So the risk-taking kind of comes first, be risk-focused, um, not trading too big because that's the area that most people make, they take too much risk. And alongside that is focusing on creating a set of conditions that allows you to make the best possible decisions.
0: Yeah, I'm literally writing like a lunatic here trying to remember and t- sort of translate. <laughs> it's like, you know, like the boxing ring whenever like someone gives their, their post like fight interview in Spanish, and then there's the guy there scrambling to, to translate it <laughs> all. So, I suppose the risk appetite. Uh, well, sorry. First off, I'll go to sort of that that upside and downside. That kind of the emotional cost to you or the financial cost to you. Yep. Something that I think a lot of people in football index overlook, myself included, is something that you should be doing when you're buying a player. Say, is let's say a player is eighty pence, and let's say you feel absolute worst case scenario. He goes to sixty-five pence if people don't really catch mm-hmm. on to him, he doesn't set the world alight and whatever. Yep. But best case scenario is he continues the goal scoring form he previously had, he gets a transfer to Barcelona and all of a sudden he's two fifty. The downside, if you're if you're realistic with yourself and your expectations and you're very, very factual with it and you, you genuinely believe the downside here is a max loss of, say, 15 pence per future, but the upside is a potential of £1.50, pound sixty per future. That's a good way to kind of look at things to, mm. to sort of balance your risk. Would that be fair to say?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, all, certainly in the financial world, and this was true when I was working in, in my sports betting days, is for me, it's it's risk-reward. That's the core. You know, anybody who's making any kind of, gamble investment or trade whatever you want to frame it as the crux of it is that's what you're doing you're making a risk reward decision now you can make that almost ill-informed i.e with low awareness of what is the risk and what is the reward or you can make that a core part of all your of your decisions so certainly if in, in the financial world where i spend most of my time all of the very best traders when they're making a decision looking at what is the risk i.e what could i lose Versus what is the upside? How much could I make? And then it comes down to um, a factor which most people don't consider. So you've got the first variable is um, what could I lose? What could I make? And also in your example, I think you said one pound fifty on the upside, fifteen pence on the downside. Now that's phenomenal. That, you know, you're looking at uh, if I risk fifteen p. I could make 10 times that. So you've got a 10 to 1 uh, ratio for the risk to reward, which is great. I mean, lots of financial traders are very happy at 2 to 1 and 3 to 1. Um, But the other thing we've got to consider as well is frequency, i.e., you can take lower risk reward trades. And if you're making, and if you're getting a high win rate, obviously, then that's good. Um, If you get a lot of your decisions wrong, then you need to have a higher risk reward ratio to balance out uh, the fact that obviously you're going to lose more than you win. So you've got to look at what's my risk-reward ratio, how much do I make when I'm winning, and how much do I lose when I'm losing against how often do I lose, how often do I win? Uh, and that's called your expectancy. Um, so you can, you can have that as a calculation, which basically that number tells you um, as, a, as, a, as an average on any given trade that you make or decision you make, this would be the expected return. Uh, And that number actually is a really good number to be aware of because it gives you a good idea. If that number is improving, then your decision making is improving. If that number is negative, um, what it means is for every decision you make, you're more likely to lose money than to make money. And obviously that's not sustainable. So you want a positive expectancy and as high as possible.
0: And that expectancy would be individual to every single individual who trades. That is that fair? So that's that's your number. That's yes. how often you're doing. And you so that's I suppose where something that a lot of people on Football Index maybe don't do, and that I don't really do if I'm honest, is keeping a track record. Yeah. Evaluating um striving to improve, checking your performance. So I don't know if this will have been edited beautifully or not, but we did have a we did disconnect there. We think everyone's abusing the the internet because of coronavirus but we'll go anyway from here so what i was saying to you steve was i was saying from that evaluating sort of that fourth step the evaluation Yep. you can learn what decisions you're making best and what ones you're making worst because if you don't evaluate quite often you'll make a bunch of decisions and some will work and some won't but if you're evaluating them you can very clearly see which ones are working and which ones aren't working and then maybe you could almost categorize them and the way I would be put that into football index terms is, some people might be better at trading transfers and how that works in football index. For you is basically if someone's getting a transfer, the chances are they'll be in the media where they'll win dividends. If they come to the Premier League, they have increased media appeal because on football index the media is based on predominantly English newspapers. Yeah. So people do trade transfers. They look for these unknown kind of players who could come to these leagues and get some headlines. So people who would have got on Bruno Fernandez six months ago for example have done very well Yeah. there's people who trade underlying stats that look great and they feel someone's going to come out and put in a big score in the performance matrix and then whenever that happens and they win some dividends they'll be highlighted to the masses and they'll rise and there's probably a million other things I'll not get into them all but if you're categorising I'm trying to think how a football index trader could do this, if you're categorising your decisions and the trades you're making and you're Evaluating and looking at the outcome, you could probably learn very quickly what you're better at and what you need to improve on. Yeah, and I think, I think,
1: yeah, I mean, just the categorization because, and again, I don't know how this will transfer for your football index uh, people, Johnny, but in in the financial markets there's obviously a variety of different um products that you can trade you know you could do obviously gold you can do obviously oil you can do obviously um stocks and so on so there's there's lots of different ways of of markets to trade as such but there's also lots of different strategies for trading those markets and one thing we talk about with the traders is you want to find your edge so you want to find uh where you've got some kind of advantage um over other people uh at such that you know, over time, if you consistently execute that strategy, it, it makes money. Uh, we won't always do it from trade to trade, but we're looking, you know, at a number of trades over time. So, once you start to categorise, keep a very simple record of um, who I bought or sold, why I bought or sold them, what I thought was what I thought would happen, and what actually happened. Even just keeping that, what you soon will probably find is if you can categorise those decisions in 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 some ways um as you described you might suddenly find that actually you make a lot of your money or, and, and your dividend returns from a certain type of decision and likewise you might find that there are other decisions that you make which actually very often uh, cost you money now immediately you can start to look okay well why is that um, and there might just be the reality might be i mean each of us are very different in terms of our um our thinking styles and how we interpret information and how we make sense of the world and there might be some decisions which a person has a more um has, has either developed or has a um, a particular way of doing naturally that suits a certain style of decision making and you won't necessarily know that um, until you start to capture the data and you can see the patterns in black and white as such in front of you so the record keeping i think is really key for that if you then start to look at you know and evaluate okay well How did I make that decision? So you know, a decision-making process is about how, and then the outcome is what happened as a result. And most people get really hooked into you know, did it win? Did it lose? How much did I make? What was the dividend payout, and so on. Um, You can't turn that off because that's obviously very interesting for for the brain. It's quick, it's easy, um, and and obviously you know it's important. But if you get too focused on just the outcomes, you could be having decisions that have good outcomes, but it doesn't mean the process is good. And the danger is you get some good outcomes in the short term from a bad process. And then when that, when those outcomes turn bad as they will, that can be a pretty tough situation to get through. So it's really building that habit of, of, you know, recording the trades cause that's capturing the process. This is what I did to make the decision. Here was the outcome and any relevant data around that in terms of maybe the football market that was happening. So you can start to kind of piece, okay, this was what was going on in the football market. This was the decision I took and the steps I took to make that decision. And here's what happened. Now, when you start to analyze that information, now you're looking at the whole picture. Now you can start to look for patterns in terms of the steps that you take that definitely help you Or get in your way so your process very kind of action mechanical based that can be improved you'll start to notice probably patterns in terms of the football market and how that's moving like i said is it transfer based and so on that maybe you go do you know what i've got more edge when it's a certain type of decision that i'm making as opposed to others and therefore maybe i should have higher confidence to take more risk in these situations and lower confidence in other situations but the goal is which is really important is as well as those insights you can start to take action going forward so that you can improve the quality of the decisions over time. You can only improve the quality of your decision making if you are evaluating the decisions you make. And I I say, you know, for me, the fundamental goal for any trader in any market is to become better at the craft. And the craft is essentially better at making decisions. So, that's kind of got to be the core focus.
0: I think like from this kind of the evaluation standpoint and the reason why maybe you probably know better than me why next to no, no people do it as you say other than maybe the, the best traders in the world that up that, that sort of upper echelons is it almost the hassle of it because I, I can think of a lot of people listening to this being like ah but like when am I actually going to take time to write down all the things I do and my thought process and evaluate and blah, blah 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 is there any way you would recommend maybe taking those notes or, or recording that? Or is it kind of each to their own? Whatever you find handy, and any sort of recording is good. Yeah. Or is there maybe a process that you'd recommend? Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean,
1: to, to your first point, John, this for most people it is—it's an additional hassle. Um, that's how it's viewed, and sometimes that's because the records that are kept are um, don't aren't kept well. Um, or often they're kept badly, uh, they're inconsistent, the data people keep might not be that useful. So you've got to make whatever you're keeping has to be useful to you. And that's why just keeping the records isn't enough. It's gotta be, I'm keeping the records and I'm taking the time to look at my records, to look for actions that I can take to improve my process. Um, And most people don't do that fourth step. So even if they're doing the evaluation, They're not spending the time looking at it because that's the value in the evaluation just doing the writing down of the trades and the record that in itself isn't where the value is the value is in looking at that data uh, and then taking things insights from that turning it into action so what you've got to do the first step is for me is it's really about commitment if you want to be uh, so let's say um if i go back to my sports days um all of the best athletes I worked with had a training diary, but lots of amateur athletes don't. And you know, if you go to the gym regularly, you probably don't have a training diary. You just, you go, you turn up, you might not even bother warming up properly or cooling down properly. It's too much hassle. Just do what you want to do, do the things you enjoy. Um, and that's fine at a recreational level. If you want to get good, then you need to start keeping the records. You know, if you've got a business, you could have a a small hobby business and you could sell some stuff online, not keep any records and you could do okay. But if you wanna really maximize that business, you'll have to start keeping records and stats about what you're selling, who you're selling it to, so you can learn and grow the business. So for me, there's a commitment piece to record keeping as there is to preparation, which is, if I'm serious about this, there'll be things that I need to do that will make me better at this but may not be as enjoyable as other pieces. Um, and that's the reality actually of most things, You know, whether the craft is sport, whether the craft is music, whether the craft is trading, the reality is to get really good at it, there will be some things that we enjoy doing, the fun bits as such, and some things that are maybe not as enjoyable, but have massive value. Um, so a part of it is making a commitment. You know, If you're gonna get good at this or try and get better at it, That's what has to be done, it's a key part of that. And then secondly, it's right, once I'm committed to it, how do I make it as easy as possible for me to to do this um, on a consistent basis? So am I a person that likes spreadsheets? If so, great, keep it on a spreadsheet. do I like graphs and charts? If so, can I graph it or chart it? Am I someone a bit more old school who likes to write it down in a a diary or a journal? If so, create a diary or a journal. Do you want a bit of both? So it's really finding a quick and simple way of recording the data. um, And that's gonna be different for different people, part one. And part two, it's then looking at at what time frame do I wanna sit down and spend some time looking at those records for the insights and then generating the action? So if you're kind of quite active in your decision-making, maybe that's a weekly process. If you're less active, maybe it's monthly, could maybe even be quarterly. Um, but yeah, but it is very much about the commitment. I'm gonna do it because it's important if I wanna get better at the craft of trading. And then it's about what's the um, process that works best for me Um, where I can be most consistent and also thinking about you know time of day if it's at the end of the day when you're tired it's going to be less likely if you're somebody who can kind of you know think better in the mornings maybe it's something you do at the start of the day so thinking about you know the timing of when you do it how you do it the medium you do it um, is all really important Uh, but ultimately it's about taking an action and being committed to doing that because it's important to get good at what you're doing
0: you see I think that the commitment is is obviously a huge factor as you say and like something in football index right that I think is a bit of an issue for people and might be another sort of hurdle in the way of people really taking this on board is that at the minute it's such a bull market there's all these new sign ups it's kind of in like a boom phase all the you know they're promoting it it's a new thing everyone's signing up the new money coming into the market massively outweighs the money the new money coming into the market massively outweighs the money going out and therefore, all prices are kind of rising across the board. Yeah. So it's not really a zero-sum game where there's like an equilibrium of the money coming in the market or money coming out. So everyone's kind of making money. So everyone thinks they're amazing. But I think as the, we kind of reach that market cap where it's a zero-sum game, stuff like this will be invaluable. And people who've been practicing it for a long time and who are better at it will excel. So I think like it might be a good idea for people who are genuinely serious about football index and would like to make money at it long term to commit and to put that time aside and make the effort to evaluate as well as making those the execution and the prep, yep, you know. Absolutely. Um, and, and you're right. So if you're sitting at home. sorry. I was, was going to say, say?
1: You're, you're right. You know, the danger is and this happened in financial markets. Uh, when I first started working with traders, it was 2005. And the markets, a lot of the markets, had for a short period of time just gone from being traded in, in the pits, kind of you know body to body, face to face, um, in a you um, know in a live environment as such, to going electronic onto the screen. And so, when the markets were first put onto the screens, there was quite a lot of inefficiencies in the markets, and there was lots of opportunities for traders. So, for a period of time. A lot of traders made very good money in the early days of electronic markets not down to trading skill so much as just down to the amount of inefficiency in the market so in a way the money they were making their results were um were really hiding you know quite a large number of flaws in terms of skill level knowledge level and in terms of strategy Um, and then what happened is when the market became more efficient the problem was a lot of people who had essentially been getting lucky for a long period of time were left with nowhere to go whereas traders who took things more seriously and worked on developing themselves and, and their, their strategies and their skills and their knowledge had a sustainable um, income beyond that point so and this is the danger again of you know if we look at process and outcome just because you're making money it doesn't mean you're good at the craft all it means is you're making money so, and that's the that, you know, that, that, that's all it means. You know, it's like in football, you know, if a football team wins the game, it doesn't mean they were the best team. It means they won the game. It doesn't mean they played the best. There could be a number of reasons why a team wins a match um, outside of skill. So, you know, the, the scoreline, you know, and in, in you could lose four nil, and it looks like you've been thrashed, but it could be a very close game. You could lose one nil and it looks tight, but you could have been completely dominated by the opponents. So the, the outcome can be seductive dangerously seductive if we look at it in isolation. Um, but you're right, but it, unfortunately, human nature will be for the majority of people in Football Index now, if it's a bull market and in general, same with stocks, You know, if we're in a bull market and you get new traders coming in into equities, they buy a stock, it goes up, they'll, they'll attribute that down to their skill um, because they're not thinking about, well, we're in a bull market and almost everything's going up. Um, and it reminds me, there's a, a friend of mine, he's an Australian guy, actually works for a, a sports betting company, but he had this phrase which is, um, even a blind squirrel can find nuts sometimes. Um, and it's, it's always stuck with me because he said that to, a, to, a, to a, a trading friend of mine who was uh, um, telling us all about his, his amazing profitability. Um, and um, yeah, so you know, I think it's, um, it's quite important to, for the people who, who want to take this seriously to be mindful of the fact that, you know, trying to look at the results they're getting, but also to keep coming back into the process and getting better in the long-term, not just as in, it's great, I made this decision, I got some dividend or got some income from it, that's great, Um, and then move on to the next one. Um, That's very short-term, as opposed to, here's something I wanna get better at, what are the skills that somebody needs to acquire to be great at Football Index? What's the knowledge that somebody needs to be really good at trading Football Index? What are the strategies and the ways of deploying those skills and knowledge, which I would want to acquire to raise my game? And I think, you know, if, if and it, this will only be for people who want to be more serious, because obviously that the general layperson, somebody doing this as a hobby, It's not going to be necessarily in their sphere of interest but for the person who wants to really get good at it that's what you've got to start thinking about then you've got to start thinking about you know day to day week to week month to month how do i acquire those skills how do i develop that knowledge how do i develop these strategies and these decision-making processes because that the the underlying motivation and commitment to getting better at trading football index is going to be where long-term profitability is probably going to have um you know more, more chance of happening
0: well i think it's very interesting and i think there will be some traders who like listen to this and obviously brush it up and think, oh geez that's way too much hassle but i think that some people will definitely get a lot of value and that there'll be some listeners out there where things are ticking and you know where it's going to make them maybe make that next step to commit a bit harder and really go on a sort of journey of learning more and actively increasing their knowledge and, and ability on yeah, football. and index. so
1: so two things john i would say that are really quick and easy you could do and this is like this doesn't take a lot of time but i would just say to all people just take even if it's a few minutes after you've made a decision when you know, once you've got the outcome then just spend even just a few minutes writing down that decision somewhere and if you do nothing else with it just write it down and a quick comment that could take five minutes tops probably 10 minutes and if you do that um, that's really helpful. And the other one thing I would say that can make a massive difference is if you want to get better at this and therefore, and I think, you know, the better you get, the more money you can make um, over time is to set yourself a goal, not based on um, a monetary goal, but, you know, each week or each month, whatever time frame feels right, set yourself a little goal or target about something you want to learn or get better at. So it might be to improve your knowledge about something or a skill to practice or just learning more about how the you know how the platform works or you know um, read a book or listen to a podcast but you know have a have a goal each week or each month um, but just something that you want to do that when it's done will in some way improve your skill or your knowledge or your strategies or your psychology whatever it might be but something that just increases your um you know your, your own level of your own game in some way or other because if you do it monthly and you do that each month it means at the end of a the year there's 12 things now that you can do or know that you didn't have before if you're doing it weekly that's 52 things bits of knowledge information increases in skill increases in psychological ability that you wouldn't have had otherwise and they could all be quite small they might not take a lot of time but it's that incremental growing of skill and ability over time, but it just needs that little bit of commitment to, do you know what, just each week or each month or every two weeks, I'll just give myself something to work on alongside the decision making that makes me better at what I do.
0: And that's like even people listening to the podcast already have that edge on everyone who doesn't listen to podcasts or read blogs or, or follow anything to do with Football Index. Like if you're listening to this podcast weekly, that's fifty-two episodes a year, probably a few bonus ones. Let's call it sixty episodes a year. And if you only get one thing out of each of them, I mean, that's sixty things or sixty little caveats or ideas when you're trading that you mightn't have been aware of. So, yeah, go back and binge all the other episodes. Yeah, no, and, and it's
1: true, John. Because for <laughs> me, uh, there's no guarantees that because you know that somebody's well trained that they will make more money than somebody who's less trained. Particularly in on any given decision, there's there's it can be purely random. You know, you could have two people, an expert and a novice make a decision tomorrow. The novice might make money and the expert might lose money. Um, that's where the outcome is, is seductive. Over time, the expert will make more money than the novice. You know, skill will increase and luck will kind of decrease in terms of the impact it plays on each part. Um, so, but the development of that skill and knowledge it's just about having a um and and you you mentioned this earlier and i use this phrase you know it's about learning versus earning so for me how do you if most people and this goes back to let's say this is one of the early mistakes most people come into trading and investing and into gambling based activities and what they want to do is make money they're money focused so they're earning focused and what happens is if you go in at the beginning and you're all earning focused then you're so focused on earning and the emotions and the thoughts kick in and you get negative experiences that some people just get kicked out and don't want to come back again Um, other people make a whole load of mistakes and it costs a lot of money which is obviously unfortunate and and obviously is challenging for those people Um, and a few people will come back and try again later and later and later what the best approach to do for anybody and this is where professional training programs you look at banks and so on what, what the whole goal is Same for anything. If you were gonna be a plumber, an electrician or a sports person, what you do to begin with is you focus on training and learning the craft. So for me, mentally, the mindset should be, if you're coming into Football Index as a beginner, come in as a beginner, but also bring the beginner mindset. Be thinking about, not so much about how much money am I making, be thinking about, right, what do I need to be learning to get good at this? focus all the learning up front because the one thing I can tell you from 15 years of working in trading is that people um, only really spend a lot of time focusing on learning and getting better at the craft in two situations. The first one is when they are beginners and the second one is when they're having big losses or or things are challenging and tough. So the second one is a bit random because we don't know when that's going to happen but we know that for most people the ability to focus and learn is greater at the start of the journey providing they come in with that mindset so as a beginner what i would encourage is come in spend the first few months year maybe even two years just really thinking about right If I wanna get good at this, I've got to really focus on learning as much as I can. Like you say, listen to the podcast, read the books, read widely, get everything you can, speak to other people, spend time developing strategies, trying things out, experiment, test, make some mistakes at low risk because the the cheapest mistakes are the ones at the beginning because often, hopefully you're taking the lowest risk. So you wanna do all of that at the beginning the, the better the quality of the learning experiences over those first few months and probably even into year one, into year two, and quite often in the financial world, for professional traders doing this for a full-time living from the beginning, we're looking at a two to three-year time period to get from sort of through the beginner and probably in towards the intermediate phase. So we're definitely thinking two to three years to learn the basics to get some kind of consistency. Um, Often when I speak to beginners in trading, they think they're going to nail it by going on a a two-day weekend course. Um, Strange, really. But um, so, you know, having that 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 focus of coming in and really just learning spend the time learning because all of that upfront effort will at the back end translate into a much significantly higher earning potential when you will have more skill more knowledge and potentially have more capital so then you can start to really leverage all that hard work up front at the back end and for me and I've seen this many times when it's done that way It's far more successful. It's a much happier experience when people do the opposite, which is try and make loads of money early on, lose a lot of money. It's painful for them and for others often around them. Um, And many of those people just don't get the chance to get back into the markets again and really have a good chance to do what they could have been perhaps you know really good at.
0: Yeah. I think on Football Index, there's a sad day about the fact that it's like a bull market and it's just constantly growing at the minute and Mm. everyone's kind of making money people almost feel they don't need to put that time yeah. in and learn they can just come in and make money but i suppose there's nothing to say you can't trade it as a well be a beginner if you are a beginner treat it like you would treat maybe trading in general where you're going to take a year or two or however long it takes more or less to really learn you can still make money while you're learning Do you know it's not to say you're not going to be making money for that time like you can still be be earning but the more you learn, the more you earn. You like think about the future, think about down the line, think about when things do get tougher. Think about when this market flattens out a little. Do you know? At that stage you'll be very, very thankful that you've put that time in and that you do properly understand the platform strategies and all the other things that you need to understand. Whereas if you come rocking up and just because everyone's making money and you make a bit of money and you think you're the Wolf of Wall Street, things will get tough one day, do you know? And if you really do enjoy the platform and see yourself using it long term, I mean you really do want to understand it. On a, on a deeper level than just kind of the rules yeah. and you're right um,
1: john what, what 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 i'm not saying is that um don't make money from it because and what I, the paradox is and and i can say this because i've worked with tens of thousands of traders over over a 15 year period uh, and, and a lot of new traders is if you go into it and you're and you're kind of if it's a continuum between kind of learning and earning and you come into trading purely with an earning mindset um i'm not saying that you can't make money or that you won't make money because you might possibly work, you know, you might well do that, um, but, but probably more down to luck and randomness than anything else. If you come in with an earning mindset, it's much better in terms of your progression long term. But, but the paradox is uh, that in 95% of cases, I would say the reality is people who come in with that earning of, sorry, with the learning mindset early on actually also are the ones that make the most money. Yeah. Um, because if you come in with a learning mindset, then you're into, right, you know, you're thinking like, right, how do I get good at this? Um, what's happening here? You're much more curious. So, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're thinking about, okay, what, what was the market like then? What was going on then? How did I make that decision? What happened there? So the whole um, way that you approach things with a learner mindset actually leads you to taking all of the actions that actually are the same actions that you wanna be building for the earning phase. Um, but the, the problem is if you come into it with an earning mindset, a lot of the actions that come out of the earning mindset don't build the habits that actually sustain earning over time. And often, actually, you end up building habits that are the exact opposite of what you want to be building for long-term success.
0: Such a paradox, isn't it? <laughs> it's...
1: A lot of it is. A lot, I mean, I always use the phrase in, with my traders, is about thinking differently. You know, the the best traders in the financial markets, um, they think differently. They are doing things that are different to what everybody else is doing. Um, And I think, again, obviously, I'm not as as, as versed in in the football index as you are, but my guess would be it will be very similar. Whenever we're taking any kind of risk and there's uncertainty and uncontrollability and novelty, that is an environment where the human brain has not evolved to be highly successful uh, at making decisions in those situations so there's you know there's a lot of things that are happening psychologically and, and in the body physiologically and in the brain neurologically that are going on when we're trying that decision what we can do is get better at it but one of the things that we know is often a lot of people's initial instincts uh, and intuitions in these situations are the exact opposite of what you need to do to be long-term successful um, so it, it, it is really you know it is literally almost everything is paradoxical you know it's the same thing you know the more you focus on the outcome which is what most people do we have an outcome bias the more you focus on the outcome what will happen is the worst you will do because by focusing on the outcome you'll get more stress more anxiety that gets in the way of the process you make worse decisions and over time you make worse outcomes so to get the best outcomes the paradox is you've got to think differently you've got to think about the process, making good decisions. Um, so there's, there's a lot of paradox, I think, you know, in, in becoming a, a good trader. Um, it's, it is, in many ways, it is about you know, a shift of mindset, thinking about things in a different way. Because if you look in all these areas, maybe different at the moment in football index with the bull market, but historically in trading, most people are losers. So most people are losing in the, in the, in the markets, particularly if they're retail traders, you know, doing it from home. Um, success rate is very low. And most of the people who are losing are making the same types of mistakes consistently because they are human and because they are thinking in a certain way. And the people that are making the money are making money because they are thinking differently and they are um, abnormal. They're not thinking in ways that typical humans might think. And they've, they've had to develop that way of thinking. So, you know, you have, you have to train the mindset, train, the thinking, train the psychology, and that then becomes part of the edge, Mm. but quite a significant edge.
0: Yeah, I suppose I've probably got one last real question for you and then we'll start to wrap things up because I think we're just reaching the R mark here. Yep. It's something I suppose that when you're dealing with these elite athletes and poker players, they would probably be, and even traders, um, that they would be well-versed in is, and it's a question I have for you, I suppose, because this whole sort of the prep and the execution and evaluation, what if it's a really time-sensitive kind of high-stakes sort of decision that needs made? So in football index terms, that could be a position change happens out of nowhere, which gives a player more value because of now their position, they're more likely to win an X amount of dividends or whatever, or a transfer comes through or you get first wind of some piece of news with an injury or whatever it happens to be. Are there any sort of tips about making a good decision in a sort of time-sensitive situation with limited knowledge or is making a trading decision with limited knowledge kind of a no-no in general? Does that make sense to you?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a few things that come to mind. Um, probably three things. The first one is so one of my the phrases that that, that I've come to think about more is in the moments that matter most, it's all the ma- it's all the moments before that moment that actually matter the most. And what I mean by that, I know it's a bit confusing, is that when you're in a high stakes moment, um, in that moment there are some tips and some some techniques that you can utilize to make a good decision and i'll I'll come to those in a moment but the reality is how well you do in that moment is going to be a reflection of everything you've done in all of your um, football index career up to that point so for example if you are somebody who spent a lot of time developing your craft and you are highly skilled then in that moment you will do better than somebody who's got a lower skill level out, out, out. And this is, this is excluding, obviously, luck and randomness as a factor. So the Navy SEALs have this great phrase, which is very popular, which is, you know, under pressure, you fall to your level of training. So if you're highly trained, then under pressure the higher your training, the better you're gonna do. Now, that training isn't an in the moment factor. That training is a result of all the things that you've done in all of the days, all of the weeks, the months and the years, leading up to that moment. So, so for me, it's the, the first thing is, you've gotta keep developing your skill level, your knowledge level, you get, that, get the craft as high as you can, because that's the, the best you can do under pressure is the best you can do when you're not under pressure. So whatever that level of training is, that's kind of your threshold, so get that high. Secondly, another key factor, preparation. Had I, you know, so one of the things I talk a lot about in preparation with traders is are you spending time thinking about what could happen? So lots of people are very reactive. If things happen, then they react to them. For me, preparation is about, you know, looking at the week ahead or looking at the month ahead. What kind of scenarios could be possible? What might play out? So they're, they're the kind of the what ifs. And then if those scenarios did play out, what would I do? So then we turn it into what we call an if-then. Now, an if-then is very powerful because if something happens out of the blue and you're not prepared for it, first of all, you'll get a big stress response. That's a function of novelty. So we get a stress response. If we get highly stressed, and what happens in the brain is basically the blood flow going to the thinking brain comes into the emotional brain in, in very simple terms. So we lose a little bit of our ability to think clearly in the moment when the stress levels go up. If we've already had a thought about what might happen, and that event does happen then we don't get the same level of stress response because we've already in a way we've kind of anticipated it if we've also thought about if that situation does occur what would i do now we've got we've got a, a kind of a pre-thought about this could happen so it's not completely novel or un- or uncertain and we've already thought about what we could do if it does occur so now we can also we've got a bit of an action response um, in the brain as well. So thinking about scenarios that could happen, and it might not be that you can get the exact scenario, the exact player and the exact pricing, but you know, having a, giving some thought to what are the events that could happen, what would be the opportunities that might arise in the next week or the next month? And if they did arise, what would I do? That is a very powerful strategy. So I, I use that a lot with people. Uh, and then in the moment itself, um, the danger of, you know, when we're, we're in a high opportunity situation, much like if we're in a high threat situation, the stress response mobilizes, the energy comes into the system. And there's a, there's a, I guess, a very simple little a four-step process, which I sometimes teach to people is, first of all, if you notice that, you know, you, suddenly, you know, the heart's increasing, you know, the heartbeat's raised, your yeah, muscles tight, the breathing's changed. If you can really feel that energy coming into the system and you think it might be unhelpful, Press a pause button for a few minutes, or seconds even, and just take a few slow, deep breaths. Because basically, as we slow the breathing down, it's like putting the brakes on. So kind of like, first step is awareness. Notice that kind of maybe the energy is high in your system, unhelpfully high. Second step is what we call arousal control, i.e. bring the state of the body down. Third step, assess the situation now. So now we're assessing it in a slightly calmer state of mind, and then four, action. Uh, so then, so now from a, a slightly different um, um, physical state, we can decide, you know, what's the most effective action to take from this point. So that's, that's a nice little um, kind of four-step process of kind of awareness. So you notice maybe, you know, kind of you're getting overexcited or overly stressed. If you notice that, um, good, that's good awareness. Step two, arousal control. A few slow deep breaths just to bring the level of energy in the body down. Then at that point, assess. So look at the situation again, what's going on, and then you can decide what action might be most effective. But again, what I would be saying is if it was a trader, one thing I'd be asking my clients is, um, is the opportunity you were going to take a part of your process? So sometimes what happens in trading is, uh, like, you know, the market's become quite volatile. There's lots of opportunities coming along. Now, under normal conditions, the trader wouldn't trade that market. but Because they see that market suddenly moving, and it looks exciting, they think they should be trading that market because they can make money. Even though it's nothing to do with what they trade, how they trade or their trading process, just the opportunity seduces them and it can cause all sorts of problems. So it's important to recognize, You know, when you see these opportunities coming up, it might be an opportunity, but my question is, is it an opportunity for you? Should you be there in the first place? Because if you're in something that you're not comfortable trading or familiar with, then suddenly you're in a high stress situation or high opportunity situation uh the mind's not working clearly emotions are high and you don't have a skill or knowledge base to fall back on in that particular context so that's that's going to lend itself to probably being a less optimal decision than if it's in an area where you've got some expertise um you know in in the first place Mm.
0: it's just a kind of story from my own life that really you, you really hit there and I'd never really thought about it um. but you were literally describing it so obviously I said to you just before we recorded I'm an air traffic controller and you know it's one of those jobs that's kind of renowned for being very stressful and you know it, it has its moments don't get me wrong I'm not a big sh- I, I was selected for the job along with my colleagues because we are people that don't really get too stressed that's kind of one of the main criteria but something that I was kind of subconsciously doing for well consciously as well to an extent for, for months was I got trained and it was getting trained in a new position. So I work approach control, I was learning the tar kind of side of things, which is where you're actually getting people to take off and land and whatever. But when I was sitting in the approach position watching the tar controller for a few months, I was I knew I was going to be getting that position and I was kinda of thinking like, what would I do if this happened? What would I do if that happened? What would I do if this happened? Yep. And I like one of the sort of scenarios that I played over and over and over and over in my head was an aircraft lands and something goes wrong. Do you know, he lands, he crashes, he lands, his wheels don't work, he lands, there's a fire, he lands, anything could happen. What exactly would I do in the moments after that? And I'd thought about it over and over and over. And then I was in tower six months later and something happened. Do you know, an aircraft was coming in, he didn't have his landing gear down. I don't know if it was stuck, I don't actually know the outcome of the investigation the end of the runway he was coming in it was a very sunny day there was a lot of glare I couldn't see I wouldn't have possibly been able to see that his landing gear wasn't down he landed stopped in ridiculously abruptly and that's when I knew something was wrong I was thinking that's not how planes brakes work um, got the binoculars out could see the bit of debris and just do you know that, that kind of moment of like the initial kind of like <gasps> mm-hmm. do you know the moment in the movie where it's like holy good fuck yeah and yeah. instead of like sort of turning to more senior colleagues or hesitating that few seconds I just knew and with complete confidence, I knew exactly what to do and it was because I played that situation over my mind countless times. So I went over, pressed the siren button, pressed this button, rang the phone, hit this number first, told him, told him, told her, did this, did that, coordinated with the right people and it was done and everyone was done right and I was applauded for it. Whereas had I not done that I might have done something that I shouldn't have done, I mightn't have done something that I needed to do and the stress could have got the better of me. So. That's obviously a bit more serious than trading on football index, but if you're thinking if you buy Philip Coutinho because you think he might come back to the Premiership, you should be thinking of, well, what happens if a link comes out and he's going to America? Yeah. What happens if he does come to the Premiership? Do I still want to hold him, or is that the time I exit the trade? Yeah. What do I do if he returns to Barcelona? What do I do if nothing changes at all? Do you know? Because these one of these things is going to happen in the coming few months, so you should have an idea what you're going to do in each situation, and therefore. In particular, I suppose, with players that have that positional change or different things, because I'll not get into it and bore you, Steve, but basically based on how Optic categorise a player's position, that's where they are in football index. But if you're categorised as a midfielder, there's more players you're competing with for a dividend compared to four, blah, blah, blah. So there's players that people could speculate will get that positional change in the near future. If you're holding one of them, you should know what you're going to do the minute he gets listed yeah. as the position you don't want them to be or vice versa. Yeah. Because if you have that thought out, you won't get burnt and you'll make a decision timely um, and not miss the opportunity.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly of... it, John. It is about just, you know, it is looking at for different players, you know, that maybe you're holding already ones that you're looking to buy or whatever, but it is just thinking about scenarios, you know, what could happen? Um, and if they did happen, what will I do? And it will make a huge difference. I've heard it so many times, you know, you, you, your story about air traffic control was, was a great example. Um, I mean, in sport, you know, it's why why it's why it's athletes practice over and over and over again physically, but it's also why they spend lots of time practicing mentally. You know, p- um, fighter pilots do what they call armchair flying. So they'll, you know, get, they'll get the mission brief. They'll practice flying that mission brief in an armchair they'll sit down they'll visualize it over and over and over again so when they're in the sky and they're flying it they're already they've already got kind of got it imprinted in the brain I used to um when I was doing my sports like work I worked a lot with the um for one Olympic cycle with the um GB bobsleigh um ladies team and um in bobsleigh when you turn up to the track quite often you they'll allow you, you know a couple of practice days and you get um, a limited number of practice runs each day, typically six. So you only get to do six physical runs down the track on, on average each day, 12 before they start doing the timed runs. But what the, what the driver will do is once they've had a drive down the track and you've got a sense of it, you can then start to you know, visualize it in your mind. So you're kind of building, and you know, typically they kind of call it muscle memory. It's not quite as simple as that, but you know you're ingraining into the brain over and over again, because the practice, and the ability to respond when we're under pressure can be practiced physically, but also practiced mentally. And what's really interesting is to know just a bit about the brain is that when we practice something physically, it creates like a pathway in the brain. And when you, when you think about with focus, that same activity in the mind, it utilizes the same pathway. So the way that you build um, kind of skill pathways or knowledge pathways is through repetition, either physical or mental or ideally, a combination of both. So no, your air traffic control story is a great example of all the times you're running through those scenarios. It's not just in our minds like a daydream, you're activating and utilizing all the little pathways in the brain, they're all connecting, they're they're firing, they're becoming stronger um, and stronger and stronger. So then when you needed it in that moment of of pressure and stress, it was there, you had it. And you were able to respond rather than react. So it's it's a great, and again, that can be practiced, even if you just do two or three different scenarios. It's better than doing nothing, because one of the things that throws people often in decision making is they plan their decision out, and they only have one way they think it's gonna play out. So then they get attached to it having to be that way, and when it doesn't go how they thought, then they get highly emotional about it. But if you've kind of got different scenarios, what you're also saying is, whilst this is how I think it may go, there are other possibilities as to what could happen here as well, and and it releases a bit of that attachment to kind of the outcome, and that's really powerful as well. So, um, so scenarios of what could happen, but also if you've got plays you are holding, you know what could happen for them, or a decision you're gonna make, and you know what possible ways could this go. Again, it doesn't take a huge amount of time, but it's massively valuable.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's something that I'd never really put as much value to, but now that you're really saying it, it's it's sort of making a lot of sense to me. Whenever I was, I did MMA for a couple of years and I used to spar with a guy who was much higher level than me, but whenever he had a camp coming in, there weren't many heavyweights around Cork that were sparring, so I'd go and let him beat the bollocks off me for an hour, but <laughs> I used to think, geez, that's a bit much, or like, geez, that's a bit cringe, you know. Um, we'd rock up into the gym and you wouldn't go over to him. You wouldn't be like, his coach would be with him and I'd be like, no, you're not coming, you're not talking to him, there's no friendliness, this is like fight simulation. So you would be over kind of warming up on the other side of the gym and You know, he would have his kind of walk in tune on and he'd walk into the cage and he'd get ready completely mentally to go in and munch you. Like, Mm. Um, and then it's like, all right, you're up, John, go in there for two minutes and fight him, sort of thing. And then, okay, someone else in two minutes, someone else in two minutes, like a shark tank, really, really putting him under pressure. But Mm. I used to always think, you know, like, geez, like, really? We can't, like, speak to him or, like, you know, like, that's a bit much, no? But it makes complete sense, you know, because it it does. It gets those those pathways firing and it kind of. Yeah. Get him in the mindset he needs to be so and he's, he's been very successful so
1: yeah and in that situation as well because you can kind of mentally practice in your mind which is good but what he's doing is so you've got kind of physical practice uh there's mental practice and obviously somewhere in between those two is what we call simulation which is basically where you are trying to you know you're trying to recreate the conditions in this case he's going to be fighting it in reality so the closer you can make it to real um because the danger is you know if you if you if you don't practice like it's going to be in reality then when reality happens you're not prepared for it so the the progression really is you know as you're going forward say towards a fight or first in terms of a, of a trade is wherever you can you want to try and make it as real as possible so when i used to tr- uh, work with the, the the younger traders we'd have the simulator uh which was good because you could you know they could practice their trading but there was no real money at stake so it's different but it was a good first step but then you'd want to get them on to trading the markets, but with small amounts of money. So there was a little bit of pain if you lost, but again, it's only small, but it's again, it's that next step. And it's about the progressions going forward. So for the fighter, you know, you can fight in the gym, you can visualize yourself having the big fight, but then when you come into the gym and you start to treat it like this is the fight, I have the music, maybe I wear the gown, you know, I've got my opponents coming in, they're, they're, they're bigger, stronger. Suddenly you're now, you're training yourself as closely as you can to the conditions that you're gonna have to actually perform in. And what it means is when you get into those conditions and you've got to perform, it's not as unfamiliar. So the more familiar it is, the more certainty there is, um, you know, the more prepared you are, the better you're likely to do. Never guarantees you'll win, but it puts the odds more in your success, and for me, that's the goal in sports betting, football index, and trading. Is we're looking for all the ways, no matter how small, that we can stack the odds such that when we come to make that decision, we've got more chance of it working in our favour than not.
0: So, which of your books, Trader Mind, Sports Betting, to win Winner, High Performance Trading, would you recommend a football index trader if you had to pick one? Which one do you hate? I would
1: say. Department? Yeah, I would. Mm. Well, obviously, I'd recommend them all, John, um, <laughs> from a royalties perspective. But um, now, I, <laughs> I would I would say my my I would probably go sports betting to win first because it's 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 obviously got the sports connection. So I think it will connect with people maybe who don't come from a trading background, um, and it's got some nice things in there that we've touched on about you know di- um, process focus preparation. Um, you know, taking things a bit more seriously it's got a bit in there about you know discipline making good decisions bit about evaluation so i think that'd be a really good starting point it's basically i think for memory uh there's kind of 10 core chapters 10 strategies that kind of you know help you to be kind of more successful and, and more disciplined so i'd probably say start there if you want a bit more a bit deeper than that i would actually probably go to um High Performance Trading, which again is 35 chapters, all quite short, two, three, four pages long, give a very good broad overview about the psychology and performance of of kind of, you know, the trading and and the markets and so on. Uh, Trader Mind is a book, I love the book, but it's a bit more, um, it's probably a bit of a a more of a technical read, but it's got some really good practical stuff in there as well. But if I had to recommend, I'd go Sports Betting to Win number one, High Performance Trading as a second, and possibly Trader Mind as a third but different people will get different things from them but that that would be my general advice
0: very good and is is there anything in the works
1: yeah so there's another book coming out i've just finished it it's gone off to the uh, publisher for their kind of um, considerations and and editing i'd imagine it will hopefully be out later this year it's called bulletproof trader and the focus on that book is looking at you know how we deal with the stresses um or really it's how we deal with there's ups and downs in trading and and bulletproof trade is about dealing with the downs when you're losing when you're losing a lot over time um dealing with uncertainty taking risks so kind of all, all the things where we might feel stress and negative emotion the book really deals with how we can kind of um reduce that and, and how we can manage it
0: very good well i'd recommend everyone should go and check them out i might even stick a link in the description there to to at least one of them um i suppose that's about it steve I think it's probably time we wrap this up. Is there is there anywhere you'd like to be found or anything else you'd like like to so if people are, want to find you, do you, are you present on social media much?
1: i don't do much social media, probably because I'm just too old for that kind of stuff. Um but um uh, no, I would say if anybody wants to find out more, um the best place to go is to the website, which is uh dot then it's performance edge consulting, all one word dot co dot and if people want to i mean i do a, a monthly it's like a little newsletter has like a couple of paragraphs kind of a bit of a a few thoughts about a topic then there's normally like a recommendation for a video to watch not mine but you know just just things that are around the internet that are interesting around um and and, and that that um, newsletter by the way is for kind of what i call high stakes people it's not trading specific so it's kind of for anybody who likes risk-taking decision-making high performance so there's a bit of a intro for me uh, something to watch uh, a recommendation for something to read uh, often a recommendation for something to listen to. And then I do like at the end of it, just a little bit about, you know, here's a um, an activity, an action or an exercise to do. So something kind of like a practical takeaway technique. And that's called sharpen your edge. So you can sign up for the newsletter. It's not one where, you know, it's not like a, a sales newsletter. It's just really a bit of information for those who want it. Um, that's it, yeah, all on the website.
0: That's it, very good. Well, everyone go and check Steve out. And Steve, thank you so much for your time. And, thank uh, you, John, you
1: enjoyed uh, it. Hopefully thank talk you. to you again. Yeah, love to. Cheers. Cheers, thanks, John.